Good morning. Today is Saturday, the 4th of January, 2019. I'm Jaka, your regular person host for the Daily Office, which is, as I think of it, the ongoing prayer of all of the people. The liturgy, which is prayed every day, multiple times a day, and in which we join our voices with the heavenly host of heaven and their songs of praise and prayer and worship. And I think it is a beautiful and wondrous thing that no matter what hour it is, where you are or where I am, there is someone else saying this very same prayer at this very same time. And so this is a beautiful way to communally pray. And I think that's so needed this time. We remember today Elizabeth Seton. Our readings are Psalms 85 and 87, Joshua 3, 14 through 4, 7, Ephesians 5, 1 through 20, and John 9, 1 through 12, and 35 through 38. We are using the Book of Common Prayer and Enriching Our Worship Volumes 1 and 2 and the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, the New Oxford Annotated Bible with the Apocrypha. And if you would like any more information about these sources, please feel free to reach out to me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Let us confess our sins to God. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy One is in our midst. O come, let us worship. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise to her a shout with psalms. For she is a great God, great above all gods. In your hand, O God, are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you have made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before God our Maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice, The Holy One is in our midst. O come, let us worship. Psalms 85 and 87.
God, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob and Sarah. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O God, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what you, God, will speak. For God will speak peace to her people, to her faithful, to those who turn to her in their hearts. Surely her salvation is at hand for those who fear her, that her glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness. Whoops, sorry about that, folks. I dropped my phone, and um, honestly, I'm probably not going to have time to edit that big gap out today, so please just bear with me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, Let's see. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. God will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before her, and will make a path for her steps. Psalm 87. On the holy mount stands the city she founded. God loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon, Philistia too, and Tyr with Ethiopia. This one was born there, they say, and of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in it. For the Most High herself will establish it. God records as she registers the peoples, this one was born there. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. A reading from Joshua, chapter 3 verse 14 through chapter 4, verse 7. Just a side note about the liturgical calendar. Um, The church year begins with Advent. So as we started the Advent season, we changed over into daily office year two. So if you're wondering, you know, if you're kind of mixed up in the readings, that's why in the back of your Book of Common Prayer, you will find the daily office lectionary. And we are in now the finishing up the season of Christmas, um, although I guess we never really finished the season of Christmas, right? But liturgically speaking, we are coming to the end of that season, and we are about to enter the season of Epiphany, 
Um, many churches transfer the Feast of Epiphany if it does not fall on a Sunday. And I think that's what we're doing at my church as well. Epiphany is falls on the 6th of January. So we're pretty close here, but we just we transfer it one day. I, I think that I will keep the readings on the days for which they are intended. Um, but we'll kind of see how that goes. So anyway, that was just a note on the calendar and in the readings. And now we'll get to it with our reading from Joshua. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of all the people. So now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, while those flowing toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on, on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, God said to Joshua, Select twelve men from the people, one from each tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet stood, carry them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. Then Joshua summoned the twelve men from the Israelites, whom he had appointed, one from each tribe. Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone upon their shoulder, one for each of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Covenant of God. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle Q, a song of Christ's goodness. Jesus, as a mother, you gather your people to you. You are gentle with us as a mother with her children. Often you weep over our sins and our pride. Tenderly you draw us from hatred and judgment. You comfort us in sorrow and bind up our wounds. In sickness you nurse us and with pure milk you feed us. Jesus, by your dying we are born to new life. By your anguish and labor we come forth in joy. Despair turns to hope through your sweet goodness. Through your gentleness, we find comfort in fear. Your warmth gives life to the dead. Your touch makes sinners righteous. Lord Jesus, in your mercy, heal us. In your love and tenderness, remake us. In your compassion, bring grace and forgiveness. For the beauty of heaven, may your love prepare us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. 
Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you as is proper among saints. Entirely out of place is obscene, silly, and vulgar talk, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to God. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Because the days are evil, so do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to God in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Mother at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle N, a song of God's love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was revealed among us, that God sent her only Son into the world, so that we might live through Jesus Christ. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent her Son that sins might be forgiven. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we ought also to love one another. For if we love one another, God abides in us, and God's love will be perfected in us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. And 35 through 38. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, 
Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash of the pool in Siloam, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found them, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We're going to use today the suffrages. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. Before our prayers and suffrages, we will affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, found on page 96 of the Book of Common Prayer. I believe in God, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, her only Son, our God. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Mother who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy queendom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the queendom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We will use the suffrages from Enriching Our Worship, Volume 1. I know, we haven't used suffrages in a while. I've been praying um, prayers from Enriching Our Worship 2 instead. But I feel that today is a good day. And we can hold that grief and prayer for healing in our hearts and and let us do that as, as we pray these prayers. Um, if there is someone in particular that you have got um, you have got on your heart and I've got several on mine, you guys probably guessed that, huh? <laughs> hold those requests up as we 
pray these prayers. We're on page 42 of Enriching Our Worship One. Help us, O God, our Savior. Deliver us and forgive us our sins. Look upon your congregation. Give to your people the blessing of peace. Declare your glory among the nations and your wonders among all peoples. Do not let the oppressed be shamed and turned away. Never forget the lives of your poor. Continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your favor to those who are true of heart. Satisfy us by your loving kindness in the morning. So shall we rejoice and be glad all the days of our life. O God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature, grant that we may share the divine life of he who, him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, we entrust all who are dear to us to thy never-failing care and love for this life and the life to come, knowing that thou art doing for them better things than we can desire or pray for. Through Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. have a few thoughts on the readings um, as usual, <laughs> but I'm going to try to not be as rambly. Um, that's something that's been kind of, I think that I've been, I've been taking a lot of words to get to the point lately, but I think the overarching point of our readings today and of this season in my life, and maybe it has some, some reflection that helps you as well is confluence. Things coming together, integration both internal and external. And this is the way in which God speaks to me, that I will hear a message reflected or see. I will receive, maybe, is the best way to say it. A message reflected and expressed in several different ways and from, I don't want to say primary sources, but 
from different directions. You know, a, a, a friend will say something that will reflect what I've been listening to in a podcast that echoes what I'm reading in the scripture and all of these things kind of come together and I receive the message in that way. I think that's why I love the stained glass windows in the church so much because these bits and fragments of brilliant color coming together are kind of the way that I receive God's message to me in the world. I definitely feel that I personally, and this is something coming, um, I guess this is a sense from the Holy Spirit, I'm coming to a, a new season. We are hopefully transitioning out of this season of strife and abuse and endurance and into a season of beauty and transformation and growth. And I have felt this shift in, in my being, and perhaps you are feeling a similar shift in yours. Where I, where I see... The messages that I see in our scriptures today personally, and and again, I I hope that this speaks to you. If not, you know, that's okay. (laughs) Um, Spend some time in the readings and and see what resonates with you. And I would love to hear about it. Um, I am certainly not the keeper of all things. And this is, for me, part of the beauty of this transformative season is that It is a season of listening. So share with me your thoughts and your messages. I would love to hear them. That message of of confluence speaks to me out of of Psalm 84 or Psalm 85 as well. Um, And a message too that I think we need to hear as Christians. Restore us again. Revive us again. Restoration is not a one-time thing. Neither is salvation. It is ongoing. And I think as Christians, sometimes we get this idea that there has to be this demarcation in our lives, you know, whether we see that as whatever milestone we see there. but And then we are gods and we are we are like pure and holy and sinless after that. And that's not really like, yes, there are milestones in our lives that change us forever. And we become, but we become more and more gods, glory to glory, transformation to transformation. And we often need reviving and restoration. This is an ongoing part of the the whole co-creative process with God, the relationship with God that we should be part of as Christians. And it it is ongoing. It it is not a one-time thing. And we can be both in. We can both be irrevocably transformed forever by a particular encounter with the holy. And also, we can be constantly in need of restoration, reviving from God. Then there, there are some pieces in the psalm that talk about what that coming together, what that confluence means in, in God's queendom. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. And in this beautiful way, each of us carrying our particular light will come together and we make the great light of God. We are not working in isolation. We are each, if you'll forgive me, the somewhat cheesy metaphor continued, carrying our beautifully colored piece of glass and we bring them together and we set them into a window through which we see the face of God. We all need to bring our pieces. And I think something that should be said here, well, actually, maybe because it was in part of our readings too. 
Well, I'll say it here and then I'll kind of mark it in the reading when we get to it as well. But this transformation, God's not ugly about it. Yes, God takes terrible, hurtful, ugly things that happen. Even the things that that we do that are terrible and hateful and hurtful and ugly and uses them to transform us and others impacted. So whether we've done it or it's done to us, God's using it. But it is not God's way to be beating us into transformation. God's way is harmonious. And if we're having trouble, God's way is also relentless. <laughs> and so sometimes when we struggle against it, we can feel definitely frustrated. And it is when we're struggling against God and turning away from God, that in and of itself is, is painful, but God is not painful. So one of the ways that we can discern messaging from the enemy or pretending to be God, mimicking God or messaging from God is, does it resonate within us? Does it bring us to God? Does it inspire us to transformation, to collaboration with God in this? Is there hope in it? And those are some of the ways that we can tell when it's from God. Because even when God is, I don't want to say chastising because of the connotations there. Even when God is giving us an awakening that is a little bit painful because we're awakening to something that, that is not of God, a pattern that we've been playing out in our lives, for example. You know, like a way in which we speak that we've inherited that is not kind. Even when God is showing us the error in our ways, it is, it is in God's time and it is for a good purpose. It is not to make us feel badly about ourselves. God does not beat us up. But it is to show us this is the place where we are. This is the stone from which we're stepping, but we are moving forward into something different. And that's the other piece of it. God will always show us what we're moving into. God is not going to, and I mean that in this way, God's not just going to say, you're wrong and bad. God is going to show us what better looks like so that we know we're moving towards. So in my example about, like, let's say that discipline in my family looks like my mother screaming at me and calling me names. Well, then that's the way to communicate that, that I learned and perhaps I, I play that out what I was modeled in my relationship with my children. Then, and you guys know I only have the one child, but we're just, we're speaking here. Then when God awakens me to that, God's not just going to say, the way that you're speaking is wrong. God is going to show me the kind of discipline with love that he would have me use in my family at home. The words of kindness and also of truth, the, the way that consequence plays out. And forgive me if, again, I'm not speaking clearly, but I think, I think you all get the point. God doesn't just show us what he wants us to turn away from. God also shows us what she wants us to turn to. Psalm 87, I think, speaks to us of this inheritance. Basically, the message here is no matter where you were born, you're a child of God and your birthplace is God's holy city, Jerusalem. That is where your home is. And I think that's something that we all need to hang on to and live out in our lives and our relationships with others, particularly in this time. It does not matter what your birth certificate says. Your home is God's heavenly kingdom. And that is true of all of us. There are no outsiders in God's kingdom. 
There is no other. There is only us. And I pray that we begin to start treating each other as the family of Christ that we are. Amen. I always kind of spend longer on the Psalms. Maybe I should start out, start backwards, start with the gospel and then go from there um, so that I'm not rushing through at the end here. I think when we spoke earlier about relationship with God being ongoing and restoration and salvation and transformation being ongoing, and also there are particular milestones, transformative experiences in our lives that, that really do change us and we're never the same afterwards in a positive way. <laughs> This is one of the things, you know, crossing the Jordan and the waters being parted. And this is, you know, I think it's one of two. There might be more, but of course there's the parting of the Red Sea, right? But when the Jordan's water is parted and it's dry and they gather the rocks to remember, I think this is a great lesson for us. Those times when we are irrevocably transformed closer to the glory of God, we need to commemorate those. Um, My therapist has a cool suggestion that we um, audio journal in great descriptive terms what, what that feeling feels like, what it feels like in our body, in our spirit, in our soul, in our mind, and then we can come back to it And those days when we feel like, man, I've taken more than two steps back. I have slid back. I have, I have fallen off the wagon, you know, whatever it is that makes us feel like we've regressed. We can, we can go back to that touch point. We can go back to that place spiritually and regather ourselves, commemorate and remember. So then we can be ready to continue moving forward. I just think that's a great idea. Um, Our New Testament reading from Ephesians speaks again to what what that means for us, that we are all beloved children of God, and the ways in which we should communicate with each other out of thanksgiving and light and seeing that, that the fruit is good, you know, that the actions we take and the words that we speak, what are they leading towards? You know, the language of spiritual direction would be they leading towards consolation or desolation. It's a little easier for me to think about, is it leading us towards God and community in God? Or is it leading us away from God and away from that confluence, that coming together in Christ? There's all kinds of great tidbits in this reading. I think there's an important point that we shouldn't overlook here where it equates greed with idolatry. And I think that is so true. And it's not just lust for money. It's any kind of greed. It's any, every time you catch yourself thinking, if only I had this, then I would be happy, secure, okay, whatever. That is idolatry because the only thing you need to be truly happy, truly secure, truly at peace, the only thing that will fulfill you is God. So anything you're putting in that place and saying, this achievement or this possession will grant me X, it's no good, folks. And those of us who are being shaken awake right now, um, God's going to take that awareness. Even when it feels like, man, circumstances are shaking us up, like my eyes are open and what I'm seeing is not pretty, right? I had a great conversation with my friend the other day. I'm like, man, I, I, I feel like I am just encountering this evil in so many places and she was like, and I'm like, I'm starting to wonder, is it me? Like, am I just seeing it everywhere I go or is it there? And she was like, well, tell me. 
Jacob, have you been praying for your eyes to be open to see with God's vision? And I'm like, well, yes, friend, you know that I have. <laughs> it's been a common prayer over the years now. She's like, well, then, point made. So, but, but the really important thing is what is what we do with that. And again, God's work is always restorative, is always bringing us towards wholeness and relationship with God in God, wholeness in God. And so what we do with what we've been shown needs to be moving in that direction as well, toward God, toward integration, toward wholeness with God. So as in verse 14, it says, sleeper awake, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And further in verse 18, be filled with the spirit. That is my prayer for us, you know, this is kind of a dark night of the world that we're in and waking up in it can feel really frightening but god is there with us god is shining on and through us let us be filled with the spirit all right our gospel reading from john man is this an important point And I think we still fall into this, you know, every time we ask the question, why did God allow this bad thing to happen? We, in our modern culture, do the the same thing, just expressed in a different way that the people in Jesus' time are doing. They're like, this guy's blind, so who sinned, him or his parents? Like the choice is A or B in their minds. He has this affliction. We believe affliction comes from sin. So was it him or his parents? And we are often tempted to trace back our difficulties. Even in the example I gave you, right, of the, the generational pattern that was unhealthy. We trace unhealthy patterns, which could also be described sin. It's, it's all just different words using using different words to describe the same thing back through the generations. And yes, that's absolutely true. Unhealthy patterns and sin get passed down from generation to generation, whether that's a family generation or generations of a church or organization or generations of um, a government or a country. Just as good things and blessing can be passed down in inheritance, evil can be passed down in inheritance too. I'm not saying that that's not true. What I am saying is that there are afflictions in this world that we are not responsible for and neither is God. And again, the important thing is what we do with them. The important thing when our eyes are open to the unhealthy pattern or to the affliction or to the illness is how do we heal it? How do we, or better yet, how do we enter into cooperation with God to heal and be healed? That's the what next question that we need to be asking here. We need to be turning forward to the future, to Jesus for healing, not backward to the past for blame. It can help us to understand where we picked up the pattern or the habit or the sin. Absolutely. But the most important thing is then entering into cooperation with God so that God can free us from that sin and affliction. Or God can use the affliction because not everyone who is sick is healed. You know, Paul talks about bearing the thorn in his side for a long time and there are incredibly beautiful and wonderful people in this world who God does not heal them on this earth. God gathers them home instead. That their rescue and restoration from affliction is the salvation that brings them home to heaven. And there are those who continue to suffer from that affliction here on earth. And God does neither heal them of the affliction in the way that we think of the affliction being removed or bring them home to heaven. 
And that is the really hard part. The really hard part is living cooperatively in confluence, living with Christ, fully integrated with selves and God in this imperfect world amidst all of the suffering. And it doesn't look the same in every situation from day to day or even from minute to minute. And I don't have it figured out by any means. And I doubt that I ever will because it's not mine to understand. But what I do know is this, is that we need God's guidance in every moment and that we must not be distracted or dissuaded or dismayed by suffering and affliction, but we must claim the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding, even in the midst of suffering. There is joy even there. There is understanding, there is growth, there is grace. There is healing. It is ours. We claim it in the name of God. Amen. I think that's a good note on which to wrap up. And just in time, too. I need to go and get Jack. Thank you all for being here with me today. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear for our creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.